Winnie the Pooh may be a silly old bear, but he is no ordinary one. He has been beloved by people of all ages for roughly a century. In this episode of Footnoting History, we're going to the Hundred Acre Wood to tell his life story so far. Hey everyone, Christine here with Footnoting History's first episode of 2022. We are all so glad that you are here with us, whether this is your first listen or your 250th or somewhere in between. An extra big shout out is due, of course, to our wonderful patrons who help keep this podcast running. Also, we have an accessibility update. Not only do we have historian vetted captions on YouTube, but now we also have them on footnotinghistory.com. So if you'd like your episodes captioned, you can head to either location. Now, on to the topic at hand. Winnie the Pooh, and yes, his friends too. I'm a die-hard Winnie the Pooh fan, and I spent the better part of last year getting really excited about a new off-Broadway show that was coming. It was aptly titled Winnie the Pooh, The New Musical Stage Adaptation. When my time to see it finally arrived on Halloween of 2021, I was blown away by the care and detail put into it and the fabulous cast. I went home with two beautiful plushies, Eeyore and Piglet, and a determination to give all of you a biography of Winnie the Pooh to start off this year. And it turns out, this was also good timing on my part, because 2022 is a big year for our Pooh Bear. On January 1st, 2022, he entered the public domain here in the U.S., but we will get to what exactly that means a little later on. For now, let's start, as one generally does with a biography, at the beginning of our subject's life. Winnie the Pooh is a famous character from children's literature, a honey-loving bear who lives in the Hundred Acre Wood with friends like Piglet and Eeyore, and of course, a boy named Christopher Robin. They burst onto the scene in the 1920s as the characters at the center of books written by English author A.A. Milne. But before that, there was the real Pooh, a stuffed animal, alternately called a plushie or a plush toy or a teddy bear, who belonged to a real boy and was much loved by him, accompanying him on his childhood adventures and inspiring the famous stories that were published in book form. The teddy bear who was eventually named Winnie the Pooh starred his life in London, England, at a department store called Harrods. We don't know how long he was there, but we do know that in August of 1921, he was given as a gift to a little boy on the occasion of his first birthday. That little boy was Christopher Robin Milne, the only child of writer Alan, a.k.a. A.A., which he used professionally, and his wife Dorothy, known as Daphne, who lived in the area of London called Chelsea. Initially, the teddy bear who became Pooh was called the generic Teddy, or Bear, or even Edward Bear, as Teddy is often used as a diminutive for the name Edward. This, as you probably gathered, did not last. The name Winnie the Pooh is a curious one, certainly, and you can find a great many places where people have asked about its origins. The first portion, Winnie, came from a female American black bear named Winnie, a tribute to Winnipeg, who resided in the London Zoo in the 1920s when Christopher would have been a child visiting the facility. If you're interested in more about her, 
especially if you have or work with children, I've heard good things about the book Finding Winnie by Lindsay Mattick, which tells her story and won the Caldecott Medal. As for the second portion, Pooh, there have been many proposed reasons for it. But according to Alan Milne in the introduction for the first novel, Christopher and he once encountered a swan with the name Pooh, and that was enough for the boy to eventually start combining the names and calling the bear Winnie the Pooh. It stuck, and forevermore has been his name. Winnie the Pooh is a lovely-looking, light brown bear with understanding eyes. He has movable limbs and reminds me of the style later used by the Vermont Teddy Bear Company. He also wasn't alone. In the years after he joined the Milne family and became Christopher's dearest companion, other plushies arrived whose names you might recognize. Eeyore the donkey was an early present, as was Piglet, the little pig who was given to Christopher by neighbors. Then, still more plushies were added to the menagerie by his parents. Kanga and Roo, the mother-son kangaroos, and Tigger the tiger. These later additions, Christopher would eventually note, were given to him not just because his parents thought he would love them, but also because they might be good for his father's stories. If you happen to be a big fan of Owl and or Rabbit, I must sadly tell you that they have no plush counterparts. They were created entirely for the stories and were not pre-existing in Christopher's nursery. With his father being a writer, it is not particularly surprising that Christopher's bear and his other plushies ended up serving as inspiration. The first mention in print of the teddy bear that would become the famous Winnie the Pooh occurred in 1924, the year the bear turned three and Christopher turned four. It was a poem called Teddy Bear, and it appeared first in Punch magazine, a publication with which Milne had a long-term association, and it was republished that same year in Milne's collection of poems when we were very young. The poem, which begins, A bear, however hard he tries, grows tubby without exercise, later refers to R. Pooh by his original name, Mr. Edward Bear, and by the end of the sweet rhyme, he has discovered that the royals of the past were stout and become proud of his own stature. The poem is accompanied by a series of drawings by Punch illustrator E.H., that's Ernest Howard, Shepherd. His earliest versions of the bear who became Pooh show the bear doing things like looking at himself in the mirror and discovering pictures of stout kings. And they look not exactly like the famous illustrations he did for the later books, but neither is future Pooh completely unrecognizable. His illustration style went well with Milne's writing style and created an incredibly appealing combination that would keep them working together in the following years. Pooh, however, did not become a fully realized character in the way that we know him today until 1925. In that year, the Milnes and their plushies branched out, spending more time in the countryside. Alan Milne had brought Cartsford Farm, a home in East Sussex in the south of England, that they frequented for holidays and weekends and generally whenever the mood called for it. There, Christopher and Pooh played together inside a hollowed-out tree. They also adventured around Ashdown Forest and visited the 500-acre wood, primarily in the company of Christopher's nanny, but also occasionally with his parents. Christopher's father, Alan, had never really considered himself a children's author. After all, he'd been an artist of light verse, an essayist, and a playwright. Plus, his relationship with his own son was distant, yet not without affection. Christopher would later remark that they did not have a close relationship until after the Pooh years. But in 1925, despite this, 
Because Milne's When We Were Very Young was a rousing success touted as an instant classic, he was advised to write more in the same vein. That Christmas Eve, then, we received the first instance of a bear specifically called Winnie the Pooh, though sadly not illustrated by Shepard, in print in London's Evening News. This story, which he derived from one he told Christopher at bedtime, introduced Pooh to the audience by having him come bumping down the stairs held at the paw by Christopher Robin. The narrator, Alan Milne, then tells a story to the boy and the bear about how Christopher Robin once helped Pooh use a balloon to try and get his beloved honey from a group of bees. Much like the teddy bear poem, this first Pooh short tale would appear in print a second time the following year as a first chapter of A.A. Milne's newest book, Winnie the Pooh. Other stories in Winnie the Pooh include Pooh eating so much honey at Rabbit's house that he gets stuck in the door, Piglet and Pooh unintentionally tracking their own footprints in the snow, Eeyore losing his tail and having a birthday, Kanga treating Piglet like her missing Roo, the grand discovery of the North Pole, and my personal favorite, Piglet getting stuck during a rainstorm. The closing image of the book is Pooh being bounced back up the stairs that he descended early on with Christopher Robin to a landing where Eeyore, Piglet, and Kanga can be seen waiting. It is easy to just say that Christopher playing with his plush toys inspired Alan Milne to write stories about them and leave it at that. But ultimately, there were a hodgepodge of things that influenced the writing process. Milne himself would say that he did not create the characters. Christopher and Daphne gave them life. Then, he turned them into a book with E.H. Shepard, who returned as illustrator, met Christopher and all the plushies, and saw the locations to influence his artwork. In the end, the hollowed-out tree where Christopher played became Pooh's house. 500-acre wood became 100-acre wood. These were adaptations of real places. As an adult, Christopher said that he could not recall who it was that invented each individual story. He cited as an example the game of Pooh Sticks. In this game, one stood on what is now known as Pooh Sticks Bridge, again, a real place, and dropped sticks into the stream, then hurried to the other side of the bridge to see whose stick came out first. While Pooh fans know the game well, Christopher did not remember if the game was invented and then written into the story, or if the story was its origin, and then they began to play it in the real world. Ultimately, though, who created which individual element didn't really matter. Winnie the Pooh was an instant success on both sides of the Atlantic. After all, who could not enjoy Little Piglet learning that, though he is very small, he is also very useful? Or Eeyore being thankful just to be noticed. The wave of Pooh appreciation would lead to two more books, Now We Are Six, published in 1927, and finally, The House on Pooh Corner in 1928. The House on Pooh Corner introduces Tigger and deals well, in a way that makes me cry just thinking about it, it deals with the notion of growing up and having to leave pieces of your childhood behind, but assures readers that the boy and the bear will always exist together in the enchanted places. The literary Pooh continued to be successful, and indeed is still successful, but Milne decided not to write any more stories about him. In her biography of Alan Milne, Anne Thwaite pointed out multiple reasons for this, namely a desire to quit while he was ahead, so as not to start creating content of a lesser standard or begin to fail, and to protect his son. Pooh may have been the star of the books, but Christopher Milne had to deal with public interest in his life from people who wanted to view him as a famous boy from children's stories, 
while he was going through the trials and tribulations of growing up. My favorite Who fame anecdote is that at one point, Christopher was sent a twin of Piglet, which he adorably named Poglet. My least favorite is that a reporter once struck up a conversation with the boy regarding a toy they found. And although Christopher said it was not his, the reporter changed their conversation to say that it was. An incident which Christopher later reflected shocked him, for up until that point, as a small child, he believed journalists would only write the truth about a person. Despite his father's decision to stop writing poo stories in 1928, Christopher would have complicated feelings about his fictional counterpart for the rest of his life. So what then happened to Pooh and the crew following the publication of the last A.A. Milne Pooh book? That is a two-pronged answer. One answer has to do with the literary character of Pooh, and the other has to do with the plush bear himself. Let's address them in the order I brought them up. If Milne decided he wasn't going to write about Pooh anymore, why did Pooh continue to be so famous? And how did he end up on practically every item you can imagine? As I write this, I am wearing earrings that depict Pooh on a balloon. The modern answer to this is Disney. You probably expected that since Disney is where you see Pooh nowadays. And in truth, Disney's Pooh was the Pooh that I grew up with the most, especially the animated TV series, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, that I watched constantly as a child. In the 1930s, with the books complete, Alan Milne had entered into a rights contract with Stephen Schlesinger, who successfully marketed tons of Pooh products and helped keep the bear in people's households. Disney acquired those rights in the 1960s when they purchased them from Schlesinger's family-slash-company after he died. Disney also paid regular royalties to the Milne family, Alan had died in 1956, and other appointed beneficiaries for other rights pertaining to Pooh. According to The Guardian, before Christopher Milne passed away in 1996, he sold half of his share to the Royal Literary Fund and used the rest to set up a trust for his daughter Claire. Then, in 2001, Disney made headlines because they stopped their regular payments and paid $350 million in a one-time payout to the remaining beneficiaries, like the Royal Literary Fund, the Garrick Club, of which Allen had been a member, the Westminster School, which Allen had attended, and the descendants of illustrator E.H. Shepard, in order to maintain the rights until copyright on Pooh runs out in 2026. But, you say, Christine, you told us Pooh entered the public domain this year. Yes, I did say that. But as with the rights mentioned above, Pooh entering the public domain is also complicated. In this case, we are specifically talking about the 1926 book Winnie the Pooh and the character in those books. So if you're in it for Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, Kanga, and Rue, you're good to go. But if you're a Tigger fan, you'll have to wait. Since he didn't appear until a later book, he's not in the public domain yet. Plus, this public domain situation is for the U.S. only. Other countries have their own copyright laws. And in Britain, where Pooh originated, the copyright probably won't run out until 2026. And even then, we are only talking about the original characters as depicted in A.A. Milne's books. Disney still has full ownership over their version of Pooh, the one with the red shirt, and his friends, and a trademark in place. So while many celebrated Pooh's first foray into the public domain, which allows creators to use some of the characters in their own new creations without asking for permission, it is not a clear-cut free-for-all. 
If you're considering taking advantage of public domain Pooh, tread carefully, because Disney is still the biggest player in the Winnie the Pooh game. Now, on to the real Winnie the Pooh. According to Christopher in his memoir, The Enchanted Places, as he grew, he was not particularly sentimental about his plush friends, which is a vast difference from how I feel, as you can tell by the fact that I used my childhood poo as the lead photo for this episode. But I digress. Christopher spent less time with Pooh and friends, but they were not abandoned. He said, quote, A glass case was made for them, and it was fastened to the nursery wall, and they climbed inside, end quote. But the Pooh crew didn't remain in the Milne family home. In fact, they didn't even remain in the UK. In the 1940s, when Christopher was grown and serving in the military, Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, Tigger, and Kanga went on the tour of the United States, approved by Alan Milne, and associated with Dutton, the U.S. publisher of the Pooh books. They were, of course, heavily insured. Christopher had no issue with them being gone, and the U.S. became their permanent home. Rue, which saddens my heart, was lost many years prior in an apple orchard, so he is not with them. In the 1950s, they settled in New York City and were put on display at E.P. Dutton and Company Publishers. They've remained in New York ever since, with two notable exceptions. In 1969, they made a brief return to the UK for the 90th birthday of Pooh illustrator E.H. Shepard. And then again, in 1976, they went back for the 50th anniversary of Winnie the Pooh. Outside of these two significant returns to their home country, Pooh and Friends have been permanent fixtures here in New York. This, I must note, is not something that makes everyone happy. In 1998, headlines were made when British Member of Parliament Gwyneth Dunwoody brought calls to bring Pooh and Friends home. It never happened, though, and they remain on American soil. That said, they no longer reside with Dutton. On September 11, 1987, Pooh and Friends were officially given a home at the New York Public Library. There, they have been continually tended to by conservators in order to keep them in optimal condition. According to the library, the air temperature and humidity, as well as the amount of light they are exposed to, have been carefully monitored, and they have custom-designed mounts and holders in order to ensure they don't experience too much physical stress. Keeping them all in tip-top shape is the main priority. In 2021, Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, Tigger, and Kanga were given a place of pride in the new Polanski exhibition of the New York Public Library's treasures. They can be visited as part of the exhibition with a free time ticket almost every day of the week. If the opportunity arises, it's something I definitely think people should do. You get to come face to face with the very plushies that Christopher Milne played with as a child and who inspired the stories that may have moved you to listen to this very episode. That said, I know that not everyone can make the trip to New York, so I am putting a link on footnotinghistory.com's entry for this episode that will take you to pictures of the whole crew. If you ask me, they look pretty good for their age. It's impossible to put into hard numbers just what Pooh and his friends have meant to generations of children and adults. But with the ability to visit the real plushies, plus Pooh literary content starting to enter the public domain, Disney's continued content creation, including the characters' appearances at the Disney parks, and the wide array of films and shows, and yes, stage productions like the one that inspired this episode, it is hopefully safe to say that the occupants of the Hundred Acre Wood will keep winning over hearts for a very long time. Thank you for joining me for this first episode of 2022. I hope you'll stay with us for many more. And if you ever engage with me in any way, 
please let me know your favorite character from the Hundred Acre Wood because I genuinely want to know that information. Don't forget to check out footnotinghistory.com for further reading suggestions and other fun pod-related things. You can also find us on places like YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Footnoting History. And until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes.